Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, the Democrats have shut down, effectively, the legislative branch prevented it from legislating and doing its usual work since September. September, over four months. They claim they don't don't like government shutdowns, but effectively that's what they've done. I want to go through this with you a little bit. As you've heard, you undoubtedly know, 51-49 vote in the Senate, no witnesses. And I want to congratulate the 51 Republicans who stood up for the Constitution and against the Democrats in the House of Representatives. Mitt Romney and Susan Collins will have to live with what they've done. They threw in with Schumer. They threw in with Schiff and Pelosi. They are the only two Republicans to vote for this. Not a single Republican in the House and those two in the Senate. That's it. And credit where credit's due to Murkowski. She did the right thing. This wasn't a vote about witnesses, as I said yesterday. In essence, it was a vote about the Constitution. Now, the Democrats and the media like to talk about the Constitution. They want you to believe that the Democrats are the ones who defend the Constitution. It's the Democrats who want judges who uphold the Constitution. Let's look just recently what the Democrats have done to our constitutional institutions. The House of Representatives. They like to talk about this is the first time, ladies and gentlemen, we have never had a Speaker of the House unilaterally declare an impeachment inquiry. It's always begun with a full vote of the House of Representatives. So the people who represent the people start the process. Pelosi didn't do that. And why? Because she didn't want to put some of her so-called moderates who won in Trump districts on the line. Well, they're on the line now. She put chairman in place, Schumer, Nadler, et al., who are totalitarian in what they do and in their mindsets. The processes that applied to Andrew Johnson in that impeachment inquiry, Richard Nixon in that impeachment inquiry, and Bill Clinton in that impeachment inquiry were abolished when it came to Donald Trump. You know the story. The president's lawyers were not permitted to even witness the depositions that took place in secret in a bunker, a skiff in the basement of the Capitol building. 
This is the sort of thing you read about in the old Soviet Union or modern-day Red China or Iran. With selective leaks coming out. And one of the witnesses who gave testimony, the independent, excuse me, uh, the inspector general, his transcript remains under lock and key. The Republicans couldn't call any witnesses that the Democrats opposed. That's a first. The president's lawyers weren't present throughout. That's a first. The president's lawyers couldn't call any witnesses until the 11th hour. It's too late. That's a first. The president's lawyers couldn't participate, let alone cross-examine their witnesses, that is, of the Democrats. That's a first. The Democrats prevented the president's lawyers from preventing evidence when evidence was required. That's a first. And they talk about upholding the Constitution. And it all started with a CIA operative. An Obama flunky. Close to Biden. Absolutely incredible. Whose name we know, but is not officially revealed. And who could not be examined, let alone cross-examined. And his relationship with Schiff and Schiff staff. That's a first. Then we look at what just happened in the Senate. Obviously, Schumer coordinated with Pelosi and Schiff. And the lawlessness and rogueness that took place in the House infected the Senate through, again, the Democrats, this time in the minority. And every step of the way, unless the Republicans went along with the Democrat minority and the Democrat majority in the House, it was said that this wasn't a fair trial. No trial is without witnesses. Even though this trial is based on the information, including witnesses, that were already heard and hand-picked and the evidence cherry-picked by the Democrats in the House. And now what do they say? (laughs) No acquittal because there's no witnesses. The standards change because there are no standards. It's the end justifies the means. Chuck Schumer's out there saying this three times today in the media Stop everything they're doing to go to Chuck Schumer's little presser. And so the demagogue is given full attention by the media. Not too long ago, we watched these same Democrats who claim to care about the Constitution literally attempt to destroy Brett Kavanaugh. Literally. That is shocking what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. So the same Democrats who have destroyed the House of Representatives, the same Democrats who seek to destroy the Senate, but for a slim 51-49 vote, seek to destroy the Supreme Court, as they did with Bork and Clarence Thomas. And the excellent Thomas movie is out as I speak. 
The House, the Supreme Court, the Senate. And the presidency. As I said to you yesterday, if the President of the United States complied with all the demands of the Democrats, whether in the House or the Senate or in the media, there would be no effective presidency left. There'd be no independent presidency. There'd be no separation of powers. The executive branch would exist at the will and the whim of the House of Representatives. That's not our Constitution, quite the contrary. So, under a Republican president, especially Donald Trump, they seek to eviscerate the presidency. The House, the Senate, (laughs) the Supreme Court, the Office of the Presidency and the Executive Branch, all under attack. They talk about the vote. The vote. They reject the idea a voter ID with lame pretextual arguments. They reject the idea of cleaning and clearing voting rolls. People move multiple times. They're still registered in multiple states. They reject it. Why? It used to be that you had to prove you were a citizen before you could vote. It used to be that you couldn't vote absentee unless you could actually prove and sign under penalty of perjury in state after state that you were not around. You were in a hospital. You were traveling. Otherwise, you either show up. Why? Because they want to ensure the integrity of the franchise. Because if one individual votes who's not supposed to vote, that neutralizes your vote. So they have poisoned the ballot box. And now they attack the Electoral College when they don't win. They say they stand for the Constitution. But the Electoral College, you see, they don't stand for that. Because that was, you know, instituted by slave owners to perpetuate slavery. The most absurd argument you can imagine. But it doesn't matter. The Electoral College has to go. Now we have this national vote movement, you see. So the cities can control the entirety of the country. Now we look at the criminal justice system. A special counsel appointed to investigate a farce. Even worse, to investigate a president in his campaign who were the victims of the Obama administration's law enforcement and intelligence agencies who were spied on by the FBI. A warrant was issued by a FISA court, not once, ultimately four times. That lacked any justification and was based on a lie. The opposition campaign paid for opposition research, dressed it up as a dossier. The FBI was more than happy to use it. The media were more than happy to use it. The Obama administration working with the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC to take out a candidate, then to take out a president, resulting in a criminal investigation of the president. 
poisoning our criminal justice system. And in the end, the president is clean as he was when they demanded the investigation. And they still claim he's dirty. And they wanted to impeach him for being innocent. For being innocent. Look at immigration. They talk about lawlessness. They talk about not wanting foreign governments to interfere in our elections. The whole idea of illegal immigration and open borders is to have foreign governments send people into our country illegally who have children who are then said to be wrongly American citizens because they happen to be born in our territory followed by chain migration. And the impact on the nation is enormous. Everybody knows it. Red states going purple, purple states going blue. There's interference by foreign governments in our election at the behest of the Democrats. Lawlessness, utter, complete lawlessness. Sanctuary cities that make the arguments the Confederacy used to make about federal law. Nullification of our immigration laws. But it's okay. Because it's the Democrats and the statist, radical, progressive ideology. Ladies and gentlemen, all of our institutions are under a frontal, full-scale attack by the status, radical, progressive left. All of them. And today, by a vote of 51 to 49, the slimmest of votes, the slimmest of votes, The Constitution was effectively defended for now. Two Republicans, Romney and Collins, voted against it. It was defended for now by the slimmest of margins. This is the State of the Union. We are under attack. I'll be right back. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Now, what I told you you will never hear in the media, if you've read on Freedom of the Press, 
you'll understand what I'm talking about. Now, some of you who don't have it or haven't read it at the library or whatever, Mark, why do you keep bringing it up? Why do you think I keep bringing it up? It's 250 pages long. It lays out the case. I don't want you to buy it. I want you to read it. Or at least read part of it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the, the status, as I call them, or the radical progressives, they're an offshoot of the Marxist ideology. Marxism and constitutionalism are antithetical. They cannot function together. The destruction of the existing society, the Constitution preserves the existing society. The centralization of authority, the Constitution prevents the centralization of authority. Mobocracy leading to uh, fascism, the Constitution prevents mobocracy and fascism. And I can go on and on and on. So it is with the help of the media in this country that so many people who don't listen to this show or aren't independently informed actually believe that when the left does what it does, if you don't support it, then you're violating the Constitution. This is pretty shocking stuff. But the status radical progressives have conquered the Democrat Party, and the media, as well as academia. We're the last stand. We're it. That's it. You're not going to find it in your public schools run by the government of your local county or town. You're not going to find it in universities and colleges. They own them. You're certainly not going to find it in the Democrat Party, where they're now fighting over who is the greater socialist. And the Republicans, as an institution, the Republican Party, it's not the Republican Party of Abraham Lincoln. They're not that strong and united. What happened today in the Senate is almost a miracle, Mr. Producer. Almost a miracle. Two more votes, and the Constitution would have lost. And the others would have won. All right, more when I return. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com.
Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. By the way, I'm going to have a little bit more to say about this peace deal uh, that the United States has strongly supported uh, involving Israel and the Palestinians. There's a little hiccup right now that I'm concerned about. Uh, And uh, I'm getting a lot of input from a number of conservative Jewish organizations and uh, conservative Jews who I respect. And as I look at this, I just want to point out what, what is actually taking place right now. It's a bit of a setback that concerns me. Now, I understand the point, but I still want to talk about it briefly. It's hard not to, since, since I've kind of been the point of the spear, uh, pushing for security for Israel on the radio, talking about history in that area, as we all know, and, and the, uh, what the Palestinians have done and have been doing. So I want to circle back, because you can't read the Israeli press and some American press without noticing it. So we'll get back to that. But first, our own country. The latest report is that there will be a vote on Wednesday by the United States Senate on the President of the United States on impeachment. Now you might ask, why Wednesday? Because when the Republicans put this rule together and they voted on it, for the trial rules and procedures. They didn't really put anything on there on how to end it. So that opens up a potential for all kinds of parliamentary games by, among others, parliamentary games by, among others, Schumer. And, of course, this is a problem. So obviously what they decided is they'll have a vote on Wednesday. Now why Wednesday? Because Tuesday's the State of the Union. And what the Democrats are trying to do here is humiliate the president. Folks, the Democrats are not about the Constitution. They're anti-Constitution. I want you to think about a few things here as well. The president wins the election and they claim he cheated. They sick the government on candidate Trump, on President-elect Trump, on President Trump. They use Russian apparatchiks to put together a phony document. They use the FBI. They use the FISA courts. And they accuse the victim of cheating. That the 2016 election was illegitimate. He cheated. In the Senate, they accused the Senate of a cover-up. Much like Watergate, they say, a cover-up. Because there's not a fair trial. Because the senators, the Republicans, won't bend. Won't bend to the demands of the Democrats. The minority in the Senate. And turn the Senate into a circus as they did the House. So the Senate trial's illegitimate. 
they tell the American people and the media give them voice over and over and over again. They talk about the Supreme Court being illegitimate when they don't get decisions they want. But when they get decisions they want, boy, it's the greatest court on the face of the earth. And I can go on and on and on. On and on and on. Not a single Senate Democrat, not Manchin in West Virginia, or this guy Doug Jones in Alabama, voted for the Constitution. The day of the moderate Democrat in Washington, D.C. is over. Just like good little Marxists, they've cleared their party of individuals who do not toe the line. One guy left in the House, a guy by the name of Peterson, because he comes from a fairly Republican district, a fairly conservative district, huge farming district in Minnesota. One. But not a single Democrat in the United States Senate voted for the Constitution. Whether they come from West Virginia or Alabama or any other state. Not one. Nobody goes to them and says, will you break from your party and stand for the Constitution? Will you break from your party and stand up against what the House did? Will you break from your party and speak up for due process? They're never questioned. In fact, instead we get something like this. Here is, really, low IQ Democrat Chuck Todd, who's destroyed Meet the Press, and is now working on destroying what's left of NBC. MSNBC is a joke, so nobody cares about that. And here he is with Michael Steele. Michael Steele is a clown. A clown. Cut one, go. Michael Steele, it feels like it's, it's as if uh, Republicans are, are buying this bottle of wine and they really hope it ages well, but boy, it could age. this vote could age horribly. It could be like the Iraq War vote for Democrats. Uh, now know, stop, I- stop right there. But the Democrats, you see, ladies and gentlemen, have nothing on the line. Nothing. Chuck Todd is incapable of talking about the actual Constitution. And it's the Republicans who have something on the line. Not the Democrats, not Manchin, not Jones, not some of the others. No, 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 no. They're on the clear. They did the right thing. It's the Republicans who could be in trouble. Now let's listen to... Michael Steele, a clown, joining in the wine analogy. Go. Aged. I, I think it's already... The, it's going to be a spoiled vintage. It's, it's, it's a spoiled vintage, vintage, baby. It's a spoiled vintage. But largely because this is a trajectory that the party's been on for some time. So this is not... I mean, in one sense, it's not a new space for us. It, the internal oh, he back- talks like an ignoramus. A new space for us. It's a spoiled vintage, baby. Not an intelligent, substantive thought period, from Michael Steele. I guess Michael Steele likes the Democrats and Schumer, who tried to destroy him. Remember that? They rifled through his files. Here we were defending him. He's useless. He's a buffoon. Go ahead. 
levels um, has sort of subsided for now. Um, Trump is sort of... The talk know, radio wing won. Right, right. right? The talk radio wing exactly. has beaten the Chamber of Commerce. Exactly. Wing. The talk radio wing, exactly. You jackass, Steele. You used to come on this show. And look at you. You're a chameleon. And listen to this idiot, Chuck Todd. The talk radio wing won. He means me. He hates me, and I despise him. Is there another host in America with an audience the size that I have that takes on Chuck Todd by name? Not another. Not one. The talk radio wing won. Moron. Go ahead. And and that's the bottom line. So the question then becomes... That's the bottom line, folks. That's it. We got our fortune cookie you know, response. There it is. We got a little piece of paper. The talk radio wing won. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad my voice has an impact, apparently, or at least they think so. Because we come here very, very, with a very, very serious argument and point of view. Go ahead. Commerce wing do, do next? How do they then rebound from this? So this whole impeachment trial was sort of a way to sort of push back, and, and they were hoping. This that is they come- incoherent. This is insanity. The Chamber Commerce wing. Is there a Chamber Commerce wing? Are they talking about rhinos? Did they look at the vote in the Senate? Did they look at the vote in the House? Not a single Republican voted for this. It has nothing to do with. Chamber of Commerce or anything of the sort. They voted against tyranny. And 51 Republicans in the Senate with all kinds of viewpoints and diverse geographical areas voted against tyranny, voted for the Constitution. This is the kind of claptrap you get on MSNBC and CNN. Cut. Now, this one's going to really get you. Cut two, go. I think the thing that's uncomfortable here is the idea that if you can, if you basically can harness enough support in the public, you can bulldoze, you can essentially bulldoze the Constitution. You can bulldoze the Constitution. Mr. Producer, I want you to reach out to this guy again and invite him on my show. I want you also to tell George Stephanopoulos when he comes on my show, I'll come on his show. And not with a roundtable, one-on-one. Got it? Write that ABC News communications lady and say, first, he comes on my show one-on-one, which will be be treated with respect, but he's going to be questioned with tough questions. And then I'll go on his show one-on-one, no roundtable, no editing, all live. And tell Chuck Todd, you're welcome on my show. You want to talk about talk radio, really me? Then come on. You want to talk about bulldozing the Constitution? Come on the program. I know he goes on my buddy's program, right? In WABC? On Bernie and Sid. Who are terrific, by the way. I really enjoy those guys. And smart. But there's two of them. There's only one of me. What does Chuck have to fear? Go ahead. Perhaps. Or you can... And look, we are a democracy. Uh, That is what we are. No, we're not a democracy. We're a republic. The framers specifically rejected democracy. They specifically rejected direct popular vote. This is the problem. We are a constitutional republic. We are not a democracy. We are not a parliamentary system. 
We don't have plebiscites. We don't have referenda. We are a republic. We are not a democracy. Go ahead. Republic, um, we're a democratic republic. But that is, uh, I mean, we are essentially saying if you commit impeachable offenses, you can get away with it if you're popular enough. Is that really what we're essentially saying, Chuck? If you commit impeachable offenses? You really need to come on this show and defend yourself. As a newsman, number one, and I won't be personal with you. We'll be straight up. Straight up. You can always hang up. Straight up. And number two, I want to discuss your allegation here. I want to discuss your allegation. Who's upholding the Constitution? The President or the Democrats? You say the President is bulldozing it. I say the Democrats are. Let's have that debate. You say you're a newsman. And I mean this with all sincerity. I say you're not. Let's have that debate. Or you can hide behind your network. I'll be right back. Lovin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. You know, if these geniuses and these so-called elites are going to condemn us, why don't you show the whole world how smart you are and come on my program? Why don't you show the whole world that your IQ is higher, that your knowledge base is higher, your experience is better, your educational background is better? Why don't you come on the program and demonstrate to everybody what a dunce we all are? You know, what rubes we are, right, Rick Wilson? Why don't they do that? I'm just a talk show host. What's the problem? They're experts on everything, the Constitution, climate change, quote-unquote, and so forth. I am more than willing to have a discussion with them. More than willing. Not a problem. Chuck Todd, you're out there beating your chest. Beat it on my program. And all the rest of you who are so smart. None of you will come on this program. Not one of you. Your safe space. Your safe space. And it's even worse than that, you know, ladies and gentlemen, on Levin TV and my Fox show, we've invited liberal after liberal after liberal. Democrat candidate after Democrat after Democrat candidate. It's true. They won't come on. They will not come on. 
Why not? I said I'll treat them respectfully. Now, you and I both know why not. Do we have an excellent caller, Mr. Producer? Do we have a liberal caller? We have no liberal caller. Well, then, let's go to a liberal. Carl Bernstein on CNN. They bring this bloated buffoon on CNN, and he's sitting right next to John Dean. Now, why does CNN do this? Because they want you to think it's Watergate. But it's not Watergate. Cut three, go. It's a cover-up. That's what the the Senate has now done. They have covered up what the President of the United States has done in his grievous action when they had the ability to find out more and reach a bipartisan, as it were, decision if we could hear from the witnesses, if Mr. Bolton could come in and tell us, is there anything else there? No, maybe it would be exonerating. This is a cover-up, plain and simple. And there has been no attempt throughout this proceeding by the Republicans in this Senate of the United States, the so-called world's greatest deliberative body, which we now known, uh, we now can see how deliberative it is. You see, you uh, see, see what I mean? They go on and on about the Constitution, the rule of law, divisiveness. You don't agree with them? Uh, look at that, the most deliberative body. In him. He's got Tabasco stains on his shirt. He's a slob. He's a pig. Now, he knows what he is. He's a left-wing hack. He's not a journalist. He never was. He knows exactly what he is. And CNN does, too. That's why CNN brings him on. CNN has no ratings compared to the other networks. Go ahead. You've seen now a really shameful and an episode in our history that is going to redound for many, many years. No, no, no. What's shameful is how you treated women your whole life. May I say that, Mr. Producer? Am I allowed to say that? I think I can. You're disgusting. You're a pig. May I say that, too? You helped bring down Nixon. You're trying to bring down Trump. You also had nothing but attack statements to make against Ronald Reagan. We know what you are. We know who you are. We know what you are, and we know who you are. And thank God for 85-inch TVs, or we couldn't get the full girth of your body on television, you pig. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Programming note. For my Fox show, the rerun will not be aired on Saturday. They'll continue to do this uh, Senate stuff. And the show will not be available on Sunday because of the Super Bowl. That was my decision. So no life, liberty, and Levin this weekend. I know. But that's the way it goes sometimes. A few more of these, and then I want to get to a few other issues. 
there was never any doubt that the president was going to be acquitted by the Senate. And so the Republicans have just tried to beat them into submission with the help of the media and apparently Romney and Collins. John Meacham uh, is a historian of sorts. He's a liberal. You might remember him. He was popping up at the George H.W. Bush uh, memorial. Absolutely hates Donald Trump. He's been on MSNBC and other stations trashing him over the course of his presidency. So even people who are typically sober, even though they're liberal, have lost their minds. And John Meacham, in my view, is one of them. And there he is on MSLSD. And understand, unless you are really over the edge, you don't get to be a guest on MSLSD or the Constipated News Network. Here's John Meacham on MSNBC. Cut four, go. Donald Trump may well have now become the most powerful president in American history. So just pause. Now, let, let me just stop there and show you how stupid this is. Some historian. More powerful than George Washington, who could have been a dictator if he wanted to? More powerful than Franklin Roosevelt, who tried to pack the courts? Who steamrollered private companies? Who used the IRS to go after newspapers? And to go after his political opponents? The man who who forcibly removed 120,000 Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent from their homes and their businesses and put them in, in camps? I mean, is this guy kidding? And I could go on and on and on. This guy's a historian? I told you. They've gone insane. No sober thinking at all. Donald Trump has followed the law, he's followed the Constitution, he's followed court orders, as I say over and over again. I don't remember John Meacham saying this about Obama and DACA. Or when Obama trashed the Supreme Court because of the Citizens United case. Or FDR tried to pack the court. Trump hasn't done any of these things. None of them. Go ahead. About that. He has the capacity, he has such a uh, standing with his political base that senior United States senators have decided that though he is guilty, they are not going to risk the wrath of the people in order no, but to... Nobody has said that. Senior United States senators know he's guilty, but they're not going to vote against him because of the base... Nobody has said that. That is a wildly irresponsible, unsupportable allegation. That is the figment of his very poor imagination. Supposed to be a historian. I will never read another one of these guys, this guy's books. If this is the kind of quote-unquote scholarship he does, it's a clown show. Go ahead on what is clearly spelled out in the Constitution. That is a raw and elemental definition of power. And I think it's something that we haven't... I have no idea what this idiot's talking about. He has no idea what he's talking about. As he goes along, he's trying to figure out how 
how to husband his thoughts and make a case. He's not. Go ahead. Grappled with the idea that what President Trump has done, and this is why the the example going forward is, is fraud. President Trump is functionally a monarch at this point. He's a monarch at this point? Do you know what monarchs do? Did monarchs, did he shut down the Congress? No. Did he round up members of the House or Senate? No. Has he taken the nation's riches for himself? No. You know what a monarch is? They've called him a monarch. They've called him Hitler. They've called him Stalin. This guy's an idiot. He should be a host on MSNBC or CNN. It's shocking. Go ahead. King does it, it's okay. That, that's what we're seeing unfold in Washington right now. And I think all Americans... No, you're not. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something, John Meacham. Don't touch another one of this guy's books. He's a fraud. You've destroyed yourself. You're not a professional. You're not a scholar. You're a hitman. Nothing you say or write now can be believed as credible. Absolutely appalling. You know who you sound like? You sound like Michael Moore. You sound like Michael Moore. Now, who does Michael Moore sound like and look like, Mr. Producer? Carl Bernstein. In fact, they probably go to the same restaurant. Probably never leave. No offense. Probably all you can eat. Uh, And Michael Moore. Why is Michael Moore all over cable TV? Is he smart? No, he's an idiot. Is he funny? No, he's pathetic. Does he live the way he talks? No, he's a very wealthy man who likes to live as a wealthy man while he talks about socialism in his own way. So I'm not going to play the clip of him talking about Trump as like letting a wife beater go. Really? How would he know that? How would he know that? Here's a montage from a great site, Grabian. Dems and media angry over the inevitable acquittal of the president. And so because of that, you see, it wasn't a fair trial. And because of that, he really wasn't acquitted. These are good little communists. Cut six, go. If my Republican colleagues refuse to consider witnesses and documents in this trial, the president's acquittal will be meaningless. Now, does that mean in the House the impeachment was meaningless since they didn't consider witnesses that the Republicans wanted or documents the Republicans wanted and didn't allow the president's counsel to participate 71 out of 78 days? I guess so. But that won't be pointed out by John Meacham or Carl Bernstein or Chuck Todd. Go ahead. Acquitted. You cannot be acquitted if you don't have a trial. And now there's a- the genius of the century, Nancy Pelosi, who is an absolute idiot, another idiot. <laughs> Go ahead. If you don't have witnesses. So we're going to have a trial with no witnesses. And I think uh, Speaker Pelosi is right. Then this can't be a real acquittal. They cannot walk out of this building and allege and assert that there has been a true acquittal. There will be no true acquittal if there is not a fair trial. In fact, this trial is no vindication. This guy, this guy Blumenthal from Connecticut, man, I'll tell you what. He ought to be in like these vampire movies, don't you think, Mr. Producer? 
In fact, how are you? Or as I said, he he looks and sounds like a guy in a raincoat on the corner. If you get my drift. Do you get my drift on that one, Rich? Hey, come over here. I've got some cigarettes for you. Go ahead. No trial, no witnesses. But if we acquit this president in a sham trial with no witnesses, it sets a precedent. You can abuse your office and Congress will simply look the other way. It will be illegitimate. It will have been a rush to judgment. In fact, it's a rush to... By the way, these are Democrats in Congress and Democrats in the media. Sound exactly the same. Go ahead. There will be a permanent asterisk next to the acquittal of President Trump. And you're a permanent ask at risk. Politically. Go. And Russia, if you're listening, 2020 is open for investigations. Now, this idiot's Berman from CNN. Hey, Russia, if you're listening, you're trying to... shut up, you moron. Absolute moron. Go ahead. Likely to try to steal the 2020 election. The elections may not have a fair result. The very charge. So here you go, folks. You see, the next election is already crooked unless they win. If we win, we cheated. If they win, pure as the driven snow. It's like the governorship in Georgia. The idiot rhino governor there. He only won because of cheating. He won by over 40,000 votes. That was cheating. It was suppression. Go ahead of our elections. People around the world are watching us going, this is what you want for the rest of the world. No, they're not. They're not watching us. They're not watching you. They don't care about you. Many of them hate us. Go ahead. Sad, sad moment after, you know, 300 plus years. Oh, this is Klobuchar, ladies and gentlemen. She's on the rise. She's a moderate, you know. When she's not abusing her staff, she is a humane lady. Oh, yes. Klobuchar. She's rising in the polls. A 300 years of American history. And what, you idiot? Go ahead. I think it's a sad day for the so-called Republican Party. You know, they're going to need to find their... Who the hell is this one? The one from Hawaii? Maisie. I think it's a sad day for the Republican Party. What is it they eat over there in Hawaii? Poi? Is that what it's called? Poi? No, no offense, my Hawaiian friends. I can't stand that stuff. It's like paste. Paste. You use it for arts and crafts. Poi. Poi. Go ahead. Good luck to that. This is going to be an enormous stain on the United States Senate. And I fear very much that the president will see himself as... Uh, one who can emulate right. that kind that of, kind of monarchial power. It's, no, it's yeah, yeah, of course, yes, 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 he'll emulate it. Yes, yes, he will. Go ahead. Scary. I think we're at a very scary moment. I think you just spoke for metric tons of our viewers watching tonight. What is this, Brian? Is that Brian Williams? Isn't he the guy that lied all the time? I think you just spoke for metric tons of our viewers. Metric tons of you bull, you know what, is what we get. What is the point of MSNBC and CNN? What is the point? What is the point? There is no point. I'll be right back. Mark 
In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. I want you to think about this. What if the Republicans had had an opportunity in the House to call their witnesses? What would have happened to the impeachment process? It would have blown up. What if they had an opportunity to call the phony whistleblower and the staffer, shift staff? It would have blown up. What if the Republicans had had an opportunity to seriously cross-examine witnesses? What would have happened? It would have blown up. They would have been exposed on the Democrat side. What if the president's counsel could have participated? Same thing. The Democrats would have been obliterated, even though they're in the majority, in the House. This thing may have gotten to the Senate, but it would have been in far worse condition than it, got, than, than it actually wound up in the Senate. Do you understand what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? Nobody's talking about this. This was the best case they could cobble together. This was the best case they could cobble together, which was no case at all. Can you imagine if it had come under normal scrutiny, cross-examination, Republican witnesses, the participation of the president's counsel? Can you imagine what the scenario would have been that came into the Senate? And the vote that would have taken place in the House and the exposure that these phony moderate Democrats from Trump districts would have had to deal with. That's what they should be talking about. What if we actually had Republican witnesses? What if we actually had cross-examination? What if we actually had the President's Council participating in what the House Intelligence Committee had been doing? The whole scenario would be different. Mr. Producer, there are 53 Republican senators, right? They have staff, right? It's just me here, right? I don't have people thinking for me. I mean, I'm Mr. Producer who does engineering and production and all that. That's thinking for me that I'm incapable of. But I'm talking about on this stuff. It's me. It's 53 of them. They all get elected. They have to be at least relatively intelligent to get elected. They have significant staffs. How come I have to think up this stuff? Imagine what would have actually occurred in the House of Representatives. Not this kind of clean, fascistic, tyrannical attack on the president. 
a true good old red-blooded American back and forth. Republican witnesses. Cross-examination of Democrat witnesses. Participation by the President's counsel. The provision of other evidence. Wow, now that would have been an impeachment inquiry. That's how it worked with Clinton. That's how it worked with Nixon. That's how it worked with Johnson. But it didn't work that way with Trump. So they hand over this sort of Maoist, Stalinist kind of information for a trial in the Senate. And what does John Meacham say? When the Senate actually does the right thing by the skin of its teeth. Ah, Trump, Trump uh, is a monarch. It's a sad day for the Senate here. Sad day. And a montage of morons in the media and morons not in the media. It's incredible. Incredible. How much time do I have, Rich? Is that enough time for cut seven? Cut seven, go, Jay Sekulow. It's a little bit interesting to me, and my colleague, the Deputy White House Counsel, referred to this. It's a little bit ironic to me that you're going to be questioning conversations with foreign governments about investigations with, when three of you, three members of the Senate, Senator Menendez, Senator Leahy, and Senator Durbin, sent a letter that read something quickly like this. These were, they wrote the letter to the Prosecutor General of Ukraine. They said they're advocates, talking about the congressman, they're strong advocates for robust and close relationship with Ukraine, and we believe that our cooperation should extend to such legal matters, regardless of politics, and their concern was ongoing investigations and whether the Mueller team was getting appropriate, appropriate responses from Ukraine regarding investigations of what? The President of the United States. And you're asking about whether foreign investigations are appropriate? I think it answers itself. So those three senators should be expelled, right, ladies and gentlemen? No, no, no. You don't expel senators. You don't expel expel House members. No, 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 no. They don't mind foreign interference if it helps them. They don't mind rigged elections if it helps them. Of course. No big deal. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Right versus left is... Right versus wrong. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Yes, sir. Every night, local police departments across the United States receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. And the vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm is real. Is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is the motion sensor went off. Well, Simply Safe home security is quite different. If there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give to police on eyewitness account of the crime. 
That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. That's a big deal. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and even carbon monoxide poisoning. It's 24 7 monitoring by live security professionals. It's really quite great. You can set up your alarm system yourself, no tools needed, or Simply Safe is happy to do it for you. It's only 50 cents a day, by the way, with no contracts. Visit simplysafemark.com and you'll get free shipping and a 60 day risk free trial. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafemark.com. So they know our show sent you. That is moi. SimplySafeMark.com. Okay. We may circle back to the other, but I want to get into this now. Here's an article by WorldIsraelNews.com. And it's not the first one. There's several of these. And here's the top headline. Report. Netanyahu told to hold off on immediate annexation due to pressure from the United States. They said, well, what does that mean? Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has decided to postpone his immediate plans of annexing parts of Judea and Samaria, which, of course, the left calls the West Bank, because of several messages from the White House telling him to hold off, reports Globes. However, the report noted that there doesn't seem to be a conflict with regard to the immediate annexation of Malach Adumen, I may mispronounce that, a town in Judea and Samaria near Jerusalem. And they talk about now setting up a committee that will work with due deliberation to determine all the technical issues. That is, their maps that they have to go through and so forth. But I have to tell you, I'm not pleased with this at all. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not pleased with this at all. This is my personal opinion, not the opinion of anyone else. I don't consult other people for my opinions. This is just Mark. I had understood that the Israelis entered into an agreement. They would get 30% of Judea and Samaria that would cover these so-called settlements that are already there, among other parts of that land. And uh, <clears throat> they would have the, uh, the Jordan Valley so they could defend themselves and, of course, all of Jerusalem. The annexation part that involves over half a million people in this tiny country, of Judea and Samaria, which has been theirs really for over 3,000 years. I was under the impression, when I heard the announcement, when I watched it, that that could move forward immediately, if not at least quickly. Not that there'd be a committee and maps and so I have no problem with the committee and maps to work out technical points. But the annexation, or at least a significant aspect of the annexation, should occur now. And so if there's pressure by the United States to stop the Israelis doing this, let me tell you my concern. There's an election in Israel on March 2nd. The polls show that the outcome will be pretty much the same as the last two times. With Likud and a coalition of other parties 
getting about 31, 32 seats. This blue and white party, which is a combination of uh, all kinds of wacko parties, getting about 34 seats, give or take. Then you have another guy, this guy, Lieberman, who represents what are considered many Russian Jews who are mostly secular and keep insisting that certain other Jews must serve in the military, even though those Jews believe it runs against their religious beliefs. And it's, guy, it's this guy, Lieberman, who has, in my view, uh, held the nation hostage through three elections, because otherwise those members, about eight of them, seven, eight, nine, will be with Likud, and the voters are conservative. They're not blue and white or liberal voters. So, this election is March 2nd. Benjamin Netanyahu comes to the United States. He stands with the president, and he agrees to this deal, even though it creates a quasi-Palestinian state. I mean, it's a state in name, in my view. Just me. I'm no government official. Really, in name only. And the problem, really, for the Palestinians is Hamas and Abbas. Because there's certain basic conditions that have to be met over a four-year period. And I told you those. Don't kill people. Don't fund terrorism. Demilitarize the Gaza Strip and Hamas. And actually try and create a democracy with a free press and allowing people to vote. The problem with that is Abbas would be toppled and probably be hanging from a telephone pole uh, if that ever happened. His family is extremely wealthy because they control the economy. They take money, all this foreign aid, and you can't sell a pack of cigarettes there on the street without the approval of the Abbas family and their consigliaries. It's a mob operation. So that's why they come out and say a thousand no's, because if their people actually prosper and are free, that means Abbas and his hideous family go away. That's a footnote. But under this deal, because Israel is an advanced Western-like democracy, not a republic, democracy, with a Knesset, a parliament, if you will, and a prime minister, and a court system. The aspects of the agreement are supposed to kick in immediately, or certainly near immediately. Otherwise, what's the point? What's the point? You're going to wait for the, the Gulf Arab states to approve? But here's my bigger point. This guy, Benny Gantz, who's really the main guy running against Netanyahu, is a former general, is an absolute chameleon. He joined forces with the Arab parties that, although they have chosen not to participate in government, they do have members in the Knesset, And these Arab parties, believe it or not, do not support the existence of the state of Israel. So he's built an alliance with them. He's built an alliance with the leftists in the country who are willing to give away over 90% of of the city of Jerusalem and reject the so-called settlements and the settlers, so-called settlers. These are Jews and their demands. So, this guy, Benny Gantz, this is part of his coalition. So let's say Benjamin Netanyahu loses, unfortunately. 
and God forbid, for their country in particular. Then Gantz is in charge. In addition, you know who Gantz has working on his campaign? His former Obama and Clinton pollsters and political advisors. In other words, he's built an alliance with the American Democrat Party. He has two top confidants, two aides, who have compared our president to Adolf Hitler. What kind of a candidate who wants to be prime minister of Israel would have two top aides that have compared Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler? When Donald Trump has been the best friend Israel has ever had in the Oval Office. Am I to believe that after March 2nd, that Benny Gantz and his two confidants and his Obama and Clinton advisors and his Arab party friends and his alliance with leftists, Am I to believe that they are going to embrace this deal respecting the so-called settlements in Judea and Samaria, among other things? Am I to believe that Benny Gantz, who's aligned now with Democrats and the Democrat Party in the United States and the radical left in the United States, am I to believe that he's going to want this to succeed, a victory for Donald Trump, if you will? going into the November election when he's aligned with the Democrats who seek the presidency under the Democrat Party and will take on our president? It is a huge risk, in my view. A huge risk to put pressure on, as these articles say, Netanyahu or Likud, to hold back and not to begin implementing this peace deal immediately. And the way I see it, even if they don't annex the entire 30%, which is being promised to them under this deal, I assume that's why Netanyahu came to the United States, they should at least be able to annex a significant portion. I mean, this agreement was made with the president and the president's staff and Netanyahu and Netanyahu's staff. Why shouldn't they go for it? Well, then they say, well, you know, the Gulf Arab states may not like it. You know, Well, then what's the point? I thought the Gulf Arab states did like it. Do you see what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? This whole thing could fall apart. It could fall apart. I think they're being way too clever. Our government's being way too clever and way too controlling. Netanyahu is the Prime Minister of the State of Israel. And he should be freed to do what he thinks he needs to do under this deal and do it now. And if there needs to be some modification in the implementation, I don't mean waiting two, three, four months for a committee. You know what committees are for? You know the old saying, Mr. Producer. If you want to kill something, send it to a committee. But if you want to work out where the signs go and you know, where the zoning is and exactly which street is on this side of the board or that side, that can be done subsequent to effective annexation or a significant annexation. And now that Netanyahu has embraced this plan, it leaves him out on the high wire because he has to show more to his base 
than that he's agreed to a plan. He's got to show that he's actually instituting the plan. So this is the advice I give to our administration, my president. This is my concern. I think it is a huge chance, and I want our president to succeed. I want our president to get credit. And I don't think Gantz and his aides who've called our president Hitler and his aides of the campaign who worked for Obama and Clinton, I don't think they have any interest should Gantz win in making it look like our president has been successful at all in Israel. They're going to be working with a Democrat candidate for president of the United States. That's what they're going to be doing. Why do you think their pollsters and advisors are advising Gantz and not Republicans or conservatives? Meanwhile, guess who's advising our uh, Netanyahu, Mr. Producer? Lenkowski and Bossi. President Trump's campaign officials are advising Netanyahu. I just think this is this pressure is too clever by half and has the potential to blow up the entire thing and really to harm the president as well as the prime minister. I'm very, very concerned that this is a big, unnecessary risk. That's my view. My personal view, not the view of anybody else. I'll be right back. in. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I guess this will get me in trouble, Mr. Producer, but what the hell, I don't care. Something needs to change generally. I know my enemies will think I'm talking about Fox, and I'm not. But something needs to change generally with cable. The formats. Where no matter how insane you are, you're able to come on TV... And go on and on and on with your points. Like, how many more liberals do we have to watch to tell us that Donald Trump is Hitler or a monarch or the Senate is covering up? This, this isn't news. This isn't even informative. It's not even entertaining. But you see, the ratings go way up when this stuff happens because people like, you know what people like, Mr. Producer? Morton Downey Jr. Remember Morton Downey Jr.? Oh, yeah. Liberal Morton Downey Jr. Just things that are very provocative and so forth. Which is why I do it differently on my show. But I'm not even talking about my show. This is not helpful to the country. We're not getting information. When you watch CNN, that's not, that's not useful. When you watch MSA, it's not useful. It's destructive. And just because you call it news doesn't make it news. Postage rates have gone up again. I mean, you know what else is destructive? Mediaite. What kind of a left-wing kook websites pretends to have anything to do with the media? Or this media matters for America. Just another hack site, in my view, serious questions about their IRS status. 
You know, postage rates have gone up again, and thankfully, Stamps.com eases the pain with big discounts off post office retail rates. With Stamps.com, you save $0.05 cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off shipping rates. That kind of savings really adds up, especially for small businesses. Plus, Stamps.com is completely online, which saves you time. No more inconvenient trips to the post office. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Right now, you, my listeners, you can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage, and a digital scale without any long-term commitment, just to try it. But what do you got to do? Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in the word BUNKER. That's stamps.com. Enter BUNKER. It's that simple. Stamps.com. Enter BUNKER. I mean, I watch these people. I can't even name them all. I can't remember all their names. They're retreads in some cases, or they're campaign operatives or consultants. And they're booked. Because the more outrageous things they say, and the more hysterical they are, I don't mean funny, I mean hysterical they are, the more viewers you get. These are Morton Downey type shows anymore. And I really think it would pay to, to look, at, look at what's going on and take a step back. Now, Jeff Motherzucker is never going to do that. Jeff Motherzucker is a clown. Ah, my wife doesn't like when I say that. All right, he's a, he's a buffoon. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well, there's another leak to the New York Times. Maggie Haberman, among others, involving John Bolton's yet-to-be-published book. But in fact, I guess it's being published, without direct quotes, of course, with, uh, what do they call analysis, commentary. And this time, in John's book, he talks about this campaign of pressure that took place. Against the, I still don't have it, Rich. Send it from your private email. Um, okay. So what's interesting is all this now from John Bolton. But John Bolton, with all due respect, certainly on this issue, has lost credibility because of the videotape that we helped go viral of his interview at the council, or what is it, the Ameri- uh, uh, Radio Free Europe last August. 
I, I, I still can't get over the fact that the John Bolton I knew for decades would really abuse every principle I ever knew that he embraced. And I'm shocked at his lawyer, Chuck Cooper, who I've also known for decades, worked with him in the Justice Department in the Reagan administration. An old buddy. I wouldn't represent John on this stuff. No way. This has been handled very poorly from beginning to end. And all for the purpose of promoting this book. This book is about getting even. This is a kiss-all book, a kiss-and-tell book. But when you're National Security Advisor, you don't do that. And then General Kelly keeps saying that he agrees with General Kelly wasn't in any of these things. He has no idea. But I can tell you personally, I know Bolton was very frustrated with General Kelly because General Kelly had in place a very difficult process for getting people cleared, which made it difficult for Bolton to bring his people onto the National Security Council. Something doesn't smell right to me. Something doesn't smell right to me. Now, at some point, his book will come out in one form or another. some point, some committee will try and talk to him, but they'll have to go through executive privilege. But if Bolton ever does wind up testifying in the committee of Congress, that means great damage has been done to separation of powers. That means the president will have asserted executive privilege and lost. Why would you do that to a president? And here's the latest attempt by the New York Times to influence the impeachment trial. That's what it's about. Influence the presidency, the impeachment trial, American history. And Rich, I I had that piece about how it's already been damaging yet on yesterday's uh, list. Can you save that for Monday, please? It's very important that I get back to that. It's a lot of stuff going on, folks. I try to keep it all archived. Here's the headline. January 31, 5.36 p.m. I want you to think about it. Today's January 31, right? It's updated at 5.36 p.m. In other words, it's updated and it's posted for the purpose of having maximum impact on the vote on witnesses by Maggie Haberman and Michael S. Schmidt. Both are known to hate Trump. Haberman appeared often or has on CNN. Schmidt is a regular or has been on MSNBC. Their politics are well understood. Trump told Bolton to help his Ukraine pressure campaign, book says. The president asked his national security advisor last spring in front of other senior advisors to pave the way for a meeting between Giuliani and Ukraine's new leader. Now, those are two separate things in one run-on sentence. I guess writing is not fundamental at the New York Slimes. The president asked his national security advisor last spring in front of other senior advisors to pave the way for a meeting between Rudy Giuliani and Ukraine's new leader. Well, who cares? Why is that an issue? More than two months before he asked Ukraine's president to investigate his political opponents, plural, did the president of the United States, Rich, ask the president of Ukraine to invest his political opponents, plural? 
President Trump directed John R. Bolton, then his national security advisor, to help with his pressure campaign to extract damaging information on Democrats from Ukrainian officials, according to an unpublished manuscript by Mr. Bolton. Now, let's stop here. Look at the timeline. More than two months before his January is July 25 call to the president of Ukraine. This is what is alleged. That would take us to what, Mr. Producer? May. Maybe even earlier. Maybe February, right? More than two months? February or May? Bolton doesn't leave until September. May, June, July, August, September. Four or five months after this alleged event took place. Bolton didn't resign. Bolton didn't have a book deal. Bolton never said a word. Not a thing. He didn't resign in protest. This is why I have a problem with this sort of after-the-fact revisionist stuff. Trump gave the instruction, Mr. Bolton wrote, There's no quotes, by the way. During an Oval Office conversation in early May. May, Early May, June, July. Yeah, that's two and a half months. That included the acting White House Chief of Staff, Mick Mulvaney. The President's personal lawyer, Rudolph Giuliani. And White House Counsel, Pat Cipollone. Who's now leading the President's impeachment defense. Now... Pat Cipollone and Mick Mulvaney. Do you think those individuals, and Giuliani too, do you think those individuals, knowing the others are standing there or sitting there, do you think that they would disagree with what Bolton says and claims if they weren't telling the truth? Mr. Trump told Mr. Bolton to call Zelensky who had recently won election as president of Ukraine, to ensure him they would meet with Mr. Giuliani, to ensure Mr. Zelensky would meet with Mr. Giuliani, who's planning a trip to Ukraine to discuss the investigations that the president sought in Bolton's account. Mr. Bolton never made the call, he wrote. Previously undisclosed directive that Mr. Bolton describes would be the earliest known instance of Mr. Trump seeking to harness the power of the United States government to advance his pressure campaign against Ukraine. Is that a news statement, Mr. Producer? Is that an objective statement? His pressure campaign against Ukraine? Is that what Mr. Bolton said in his interview on Radio Free Europe? There was a pressure campaign? Not in the least. And why does any of this matter? As I keep saying, pressure campaign. The Ukrainians got what they wanted. There was no investigation. There was no announcement of investigation. So the Democrats got what they wanted. The Ukrainians got what they wanted. The Democrats and the media got what they wanted. Trump didn't get anything. And notice how the entire narrative is spun here by these phony reporters and this New York slimes. The poor Bidens. Here Trump is trying to get a government to investigate them. 
Now, isn't it interesting? The same New York Times that doesn't give a damn that our own FBI and our own FISA court and our own intelligence agencies were trying to take out candidate Trump? That's, by the way, a hundred times worse. That's our own government. The account in Mr. Bolton's manuscript portrays the most senior White House advisors as early witnesses in the effort that they have sought to distance the president from. What they're trying to say is, hey, Democrats, hey, hey, think alike media, goose-stepping media, look, we're giving you the lead here. Here's some more witnesses that the president need to be called here. We're telling you who to call. You got to vote on witnesses coming up. Now you need uh, Cipollone as well and Giuliani. You got to include them. It's too bad they don't do real reporting on the so-called whistleblower and his associations with individuals on shift staff and what any of that has to do with it. Nope. And by the way, is this actually reporting? Somebody has leaked the manuscript or parts of the manuscript to Maggie Haberman and Michael C. Schmidt. Is that his name? Michael C. Schmidt. Michael S. Schmidt. Not to be confused with Michael. I better not. So anyway... This isn't reporting, this is regurgitation. Somebody has released chunks of, all of, or is describing the manuscript to these reporters who are just writing it down. Just writing it down and treating it as fact. As fact. Mr. Bolton, here's the thing. If I'm National Security Advisor, I was Chief of Staff to an Attorney General, as you know. We had a hell of a lot of meetings, a whole lot of discussions, all kinds of people involved within the Justice Department, outside the Justice Department. Honestly, I wouldn't have remembered anything like this, Mr. Producer. Well, maybe John took notes. I wouldn't have taken notes. A cabinet secretary or president needs to be able to speak freely and even suggest ideas whether you like them or not. This wasn't illegal. Nothing about it was illegal. And nothing happened. I mean, the title of John Bolton's chapter, whatever it is, ought to be something like, there never was a quid pro quo. That should be the title. Not, guess what? He said this, and I said this, and this one's, and these guys were present, and so forth. So what Bolton is doing now is he's not only attempting to dislodge the president and have him removed from office, He's now trying to take down his staff and certain cabinet members. I'm shocked. It's disgusting. You'll never see anybody write a book like that on Obama. As he began to realize the extent and aims of the pressure campaign, Mr. Bolton began to object. He wrote in his book. No, he didn't. He didn't resign in protest. If this went on for months, he didn't resign in protest. He was smiling, representing the president, traveling the world, doing interviews at Radio Free Europe and so forth and so on. Over several pages, Bolton laid out Mr. Trump's fixation on Ukraine and the president's belief based on a mix of scattershop events, assertions, and outright conspiracy theories that Ukraine tried to undermine his chances of winning the presidency in 2016. This is the great lie from the Holocaust-denying New York Times. We have Politico, we have other foreign magazines, we even have the New York Times that has talked about what the Ukrainians did, 
We have a judge, a court, that talked about what the Ukrainians did. So you got to be a kook now to bring it up. Or a Russian agent, as Hillary Clinton would say, just spewing their propaganda. And if Bolton thought this, he's no better. As he began to realize the extended aims of the pressure campaign, Bolton began to object, he wrote in the book, affirming the testimony of a former National Security Council aide, Fiona Hill, who had said Mr. Bolton warned that Mr. Giuliani was a hand grenade. Now they're spinning what she said with he said. Now, if I had Mr. Bolton in front of me and I were questioning him, I'd have a hell of a lot of questions. But I'd have to make sure I wasn't stopped by Adam Schiff if it's the House Intelligence Committee. I'd want to know if he spoke to Fiona Hill after he resigned or was fired. I would also like to know if Mr. Bolton was seeking business opportunities or jobs while he was still at the National Security Council. You understand what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? I would like to know if he was seeking a book deal while he was still at the National Security Council. I would like to know if he would release his phone records and his text messages when he was at the National Security Council. Of course, the President of the United States would be involved in that, but you understand the point, ladies and gentlemen. Did he ever talk to these people while he was at the NSC? Curious. Mr. Bolton's account matches up with a timeline of other developments in the Ukraine affair. On May 9th, how come they don't mention the video, Mr. Producer? How come they don't mention the August 2019 video where all was well? They don't even mention it in this article. Nowhere that I can tell. New York Times has a bad habit of writing these long, droning, monotonous articles which aren't filled with fact. They're filled with a little bit of information here, stitched with a little idea over here, and opinions over there as they try and spin their arguments. Sort of little novels of the left, if you will. I'll be right back. What kind of show would it be without Joe Biden? Today on Good Morning America, Cut 17, go! Because your former colleague, Lamar Alexander, criticized last night when he made his announcement a wholly partisan impeachment. And that echoed your position during the Clinton impeachment. I want to show our viewers. It would have been wrong for Richard Nixon to have been removed from office based upon a purely partisan vote. No president should be removed from office merely because one party enjoys a commanding lead in either House of Congress. If a partisan impeachment was wrong in 1974, wrong in 1998, why isn't it wrong now? Because it's not a partisan impeachment. He violated the Constitution. Only Democrats voted for it in the House and one independent. Well, that doesn't mean that the facts, the underlying facts, George, whether the Constitution's been violated. That's the issue. That's the issue. Was the Constitution violated? Even if it's a party line vote? Period. 
Even if it's party line vote, it just goes and reflects on those who know, in fact, in their heart and their head that, in fact, it's a violation of the Constitution to do what he did. And, in fact, vote no. That's party line vote, but that doesn't make it right. And a party line vote that is based upon something that doesn't relate to a constitutional violation is a different thing. You know, he always was an idiot. But I want to tell you something, and I say this with all earnestness. Everybody knows he's not qualified to be president. And I don't mean by he doesn't meet the constitutional standards. I know he's over 35 years old. I know he's an American citizen. But can't we admit that Joe Biden is simply incapable of doing the job of president of the United States? He's incapable of drinking milk with a straw. Let's be honest. I'll be right back. Conservative and proud of it. Call the Mark Levin Show at 877-381-3811. You know, computer systems in cars are the new normal. And from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors, your car is really loaded with electronics and mechanical devices. All this advanced tech is expensive to fix, and if and when it breaks, whew, that's why we have CarShield on our 2010 Camaro. And you should have it on your car, too. CarShield has affordable protection plans. That can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. And you get to choose your plan and your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. CarShield has helped over 1 million customers. So drive with confidence knowing you got coverage from America's number one auto protection provider. Whether you have 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles on your vehicle, it's inevitable something's going to break. So get coverage. And CarShield is the best. You need to call them today. 800-CAR-6000. Mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, and you'll save 10%. Either way, 800-CAR-6000. Mention code LEVIN. Go to carshield.com, use code Levin. That's carshield.com, code Levin. You'll save 10%. A deductible may apply. All right. Let's go to Brent, Los Angeles, California, the great KRLA, 870 AM, where we are live and national. Go. Hello, great one. Hello. Yes, I wanted to call in because it pained me that you were worried about the current Middle East peace plan. And I think that it's actually a brilliant plan. And if Barack Obama had been presenting such a plan, I'd be screaming, danger, danger, I, I, danger. I think you totally missed my point. It is a brilliant plan, but it has to be executed. Oh. I'm not worried about the president. I'm worried about the other party in Israel. I thought I explained this rather, rather clearly. And that other party in Israel is an appendage, if you will, of the Democrat Party in the United States. And Benny Gantz has hired people who literally hate our president, who's called them Hitler, two of them, at least. And so we're not implementing this plan, sir. They are. And that's my concern. 
my, my concern is that the Democrats are not going to want this plan to succeed. Bernie Sanders already said. And by the way, Dan Shapiro, who was the ambassador under Obama, who works at a think tank in Israel, said there's not a Democrat who's going to support this. And none of them do. Almost none of the American media do. The Arab parties that Gantz is working with do not support it. The radical liberal parties that Gantz is working with do not support it. And I think, really, it is naive not to understand what's taking place here. Well, but see, that's why I think it's so brilliant. It's no way that the Palestinians or the uh, Hamas could accept such a plan. They would have Okay, to that's fine for that side. I'm talking about the Israeli side. If they don't implement it and implement it soon, and you have a party over there that's aligned with the Democrats that do not want this president to have a success. You don't understand. Everybody in Israel and all the parties in Israel don't believe in the so-called settlements. Don't believe they should be protected. There are divisions in Israel, too. Well, all I can say is I would think the parallel is to America. We have got to be somehow bringing out to both of our... What What is the reason not to start annexation earlier? Well, simply because this will be exposing. I see this as an unmasking of who we're dealing with. Oh, really? We need to unmask them, you think? Uh, for, for the you, you, don't, you don't think they're unmasked. They're full-throated right now. See, you, this is a big risk. I'm not interested in your little tactical, political advantages. This is an opportunity for this country, Israel, to have a serious security barrier for these people, over half a million who live in Judea and Samaria, to be protected legally as a matter of international law or international recognition, and to say, well, you know, this is brilliant. It's fine if it's brilliant. You know how many brilliant books I've written? But you need to institute. Well, I, I, well, I guess I'm seeing this as pretty much a propaganda ploy. Thanks for your call. Propaganda. propaganda. Yeah, I don't get it. Do you, Mr. Producer? What, what is the propaganda ploy? That the Palestinians want to kill Jews? I don't even understand what the propaganda ploy is. But I can tell you now, that's not why there is a uh, pressure to delay. It has nothing to do with a propaganda ploy. Anyway, that was five minutes of that. Let's continue. Let us go to Robert Cheshire, Connecticut, the great WABC. I'm sorry, sir. Your senators are absolutely nuts. So right ahead. Tonight and uh, checking in with you from the People's Democratic Republic of Connecticut. You let me off a little bit while ago when you were talking about Senator Romney. Uh, and years ago, 2012, my wife and I sent money to his campaign, made phone calls, knocked on doors on his behalf. And, and quite frankly, I feel really betrayed. But then well, listen, I, I use this national show to encourage people to vote for him. And, and some genius over it, I think it was Washington Examiner, said, well, what are you going to do, vote for Obama? No, that's not the point. You can be oh, yeah. enthusiastic for somebody or not. Go ahead. He's shown himself to be the true chameleon that he really is. But then... You, ha- you, you mentioned our friend Blumenthal, and I talk to people around the country on a regular basis, and when they find out I live in Connecticut at this stage, uh, they say, why? That's the first question. The next question is, what can you do about Blumenthal? And uh, we're working on that, but uh, we haven't been successful yet, obviously. No, because the Democrats like that nut job. <laughs> and he is a nut job. 
Oh, your description of them earlier was actually very good. You had me chuckling at that one. So thank, thank you for everything you do. That's all I want to do is check in with you on that and give you the, uh, the quick update. Oh, by the uh, way, we yeah. are fighting tolls in Connecticut. Myself and a bunch of our friends are up there today, and there's a really great grassroots effort being uh, conducted in Connecticut against tolls because— Thank you for your call. All right, I understand. The toll fight. Got tolls here in Virginia. Got them in New Jersey. Got them everywhere. I don't like tolls, but that's not my number one issue. Is it your number one issue, Mr. Producer? Tolls? Again, I'm not into tolls, but it's just not my number one issue. <laughs> Listen, I'm the chairman of the Nutmeg State Anti-Toll Commission. And by the way, I'm, what, I have no problem with that. But it's like number issue number 73 on my list of issues. Again... Just me, just me. I could be, I could be crazy. Nancy, New Canaan, Connecticut, another nutmegger. How are you on the great I, WABC? I am fine, and thank you for taking my call. I'm a long-time listener and a first-time caller. Do they call you, uh, folks, nutmeggers? <laughs> I hope not. It's like Indiana Hoosier. I don't want to embarrass the vice president. I said, what the hell's a Hoosier? A lot of the people here are nutmeggers, for sure. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but my question to you is, uh, the left is absolutely driving me crazy by insisting that without witnesses, it's not a fair hearing. I know that you've covered this topic several times, but if you could explain to everyone, even if you have to dumb things down a bit, why the Constitution would be harmed if the Senate allowed witnesses to be heard. I appreciate your answer. All right, number one, there's no requirement for witnesses. Number two, the trial is based on the information gathered by the House. They can have as many witnesses as they want, they can take as long as they want, and they present the package to the uh, Senate. Number three, this is not a trial in terms of a federal court trial. The framers of the Constitution specifically rejected that. <clears throat> so even though the Chief Justice is sort of the titular judge there, you'll notice there are no other similarities with any federal court in America. Zero. None. Number four, this is a ploy by the Democrats. They purposely prevented certain witnesses from being called. Cross-examination evidence in the House. They voted to impeach based on what they had. Now they want to use the Senate in a different way because they're in the minority to drag the majority down in the Senate uh, where the House of Representatives didn't go. And now we know they purposely held back in the House because Pelosi and Schumer coordinated and decided to start to spring demands in the Senate in order to attack the majority in the Senate because they knew they would never get the 67 votes, the supermajority two-thirds, to remove the President of the United States. Another political ploy to try and defeat certain Republicans in tough races. You won't vote for a trial, not even a fair trial, not even witnesses. Uh, this is not covered by the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Bill of Rights. The reason we talk about due process in the House when it comes to impeachment is we're talking about the kind of traditional processes that have been used and were in place for past impeachments, whether they be presidents or judges. Those were all eradicated by the Democrats. So the issue here, as far as the Constitution goes, is what then is the role of the Senate? The reason the Senate has a role in this process, 
The reason the Senate has a role in this process, and I don't think this was made emphatically enough at this point, was in part, and in significant part, as a check against the House. All the framers weren't for impeachment. Some of them had to be convinced, because they were afraid. They, they were aware of legislative tyranny. They knew what happened with mobocracies or populism. They were well aware of the French Revolution. Ten years of terrorism and blood flowing in the streets and guillotines working 24-7. There's your populist mob revolution. The framers rejected it. They rejected democracy. They wanted constitutional republicanism. What you have in the House is a French Revolution. Poured into the Senate. So the job of the Senate at this trial is to defend, defend the Constitution against a rogue, radical, status, aggressively progressive, and political, small majority of Democrats in the House of Representatives. That's their job. You don't need to call witnesses to do that. Not one. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's talk about Levin TV. We did a brand new episode of Levin TV where I continue to fight against this sham impeachment and trial, exposed left-wing hacks on the Hill and in the media. Because that's what we do on Levin TV. We tell it exactly like it is. We also deal with one of the king conspirators, Chuck Schumer. Schumer just spewed more nonsense about the impeachment trial, forcing votes, seeing documents, witnesses. He's a real reprobate. Let me tell you something, folks. The far left is out of control. Our institutions are under attack. Trash the founders, trash the declaration, trash capitalism, everything that is near and dear to most of us. Well, on Levin TV, we'll remind you of what America makes, what, what makes America great. With the truth, strength, and a patriotic viewpoint. We believe in Americanism. Come join us for our one-of-a-kind town hall meeting Airing on Blaze TV, one-of-a-kind town hall meeting for the entire nation. We get around all these big companies, and we go directly to you. Just go to levintv.com, L-E-V-I-N-T-V.com, to sign up today for a free 30-day trial and a promo code LEVIN to get $10 off your annual subscription. So that's a 30-day free trial plus $10 off your annual subscription just by going to levintv.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N. Try it. It's a 30-day free trial. And you can watch us almost anywhere. You're on your smart TV, on your telephone, laptop, computer, whatever you have. On your glasses, on your aluminum hat, whatever it is, you can watch us anywhere. And I want you to remember something. Even though They control all these instrumentalities of the culture and communication and all the rest. They just lost the big one in the United States Senate. And come the vote on uh, Wednesday on uh, the adjudication of the impeachment, we will win again. Ladies and gentlemen, every Friday in your honor and America.
The week is officially over. The weekend begins now. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a lot of fun and go see the Clarence Thomas movie, please. No life, liberty, and live in this week. And we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you folks who protect us. Thank you. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. And good night, Gigi. Unfortunately, that's a long list. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. And good night, Leo. God bless you all.